Back here in the fast lane as we continue along from the ACC football kickoff and glad to welcome in now somebody with whom you're very familiar from his work with CBS Sports in their Cover 3 podcast. Bud Elliott back with us once again here in the fast lane. Bud, we have taken some heat at times in the fast lane being very uh, bearish on the outlook for the Virginia Cavaliers this season. Are you more bearish than we are in terms of year two for Tony Elliott? Uh, yeah, I, I just don't see a, a whole lot of reasons uh, to be encouraged uh, with Virginia. That if, if you think they're going to have a good year, uh, it's basically because you think the defense is a really good defense. And, and I'm not entirely sure that I'm there. Like, you, you lose a guy like Ventrell Cypress, you lose it to Florida State, you lose a linebacker like Jackson. And when Iowa needs to go get a transfer starter in the portal at the linebacker, a position that they really do well there at that school, and they pick your guy, uh, I, I kind of read into that, and I, I would look at that as a significant loss for Virginia's defense. Uh, offensively, I, I really just don't see uh, much talent there to work with and wasn't super encouraged by what they ran last year. So, I, yeah, I, I, I think uh, if it works out for Tony Elliott at Virginia, it's going to have to be a real slow build. And, I mean, let's also address it's a hard time to take over uh, a program that I would label as an academic program with the transfer restrictions that you have. You look all across the, the landscape right now, Northwestern, different problems there, but in, in terms of getting transfers in, a lot of difficulty. You know, Stanford, Cal, uh, Vanderbilt, the, all the programs that are serious about academics really are having trouble in this portal era uh, because it's, it's a, a talent pool uh, in which you really can't fish deeply. Bud Elliott from the Cover 3 podcast on CBS Sports stepping into the fast lane. Um, is it reasonable from your perspective for a lot of Virginia fans whose bigger concern is not even the losses on defense as you outlined with Cypress and Nick Jackson among others, but the fact that the talent that put up great numbers in 2021 clearly regressed last year and now that talent's gone and you're replacing them theoretically with less at least proven talented players now. Yeah, and not to you know, be overly negative. I just, I, I don't see uh, the level of talent much as of yet. Tony did have a reputation as a good recruiter when he was at Clemson. Uh, certainly it's easier to recruit when you are wearing the Clemson polo uh, than when you're wearing a different polo. But uh, yeah, like I think there are reasons to be concerned about the level of talent on that football team. That There's some chance they lose their FCS game. Right, like I, and I was looking at my numbers. That's that's not necessarily an automatic. Now they should win. I, I have them favored to win the ball game, but they could lose that too. So there's significant downside risk, I think, with this team. Bud Elliott with us here in the fast lane at the ACC football kickoff. You mentioned that. I mean, their schedule for Virginia this year, non-conference. Am, am I all base in struggling to find how they get over the three and a half win total mark when you consider that you open with Tennessee, you've got JMU coming in, which about a pick -em spread. William & Mary's what a top 10 team in 1AA FCS, yeah. and then Maryland's a bowl caliber team, and that's before you get into the meat of the ACC. So the, the schedule is a, a really challenging schedule if you're like a bottom half team in the country, right? If you're like a national title type contender, it's not that difficult because there's not that many super elite teams on the schedule, but that's not what Virginia is. So for them, I mean, almost every game they play, is going to be a battle. I, I can paint you a picture where they get over three and a half. It's basically the defense doesn't drop off quite as much as I think. Uh, the offense just plays about as good as it did last year, maybe a little more consistency, uh, a few less turnovers. Maybe they get some good bounces in some of these games. It, it, some of these teams that they're playing are not exactly world beaters. So 
Uh, you play a bunch of close games and you come out on top, perhaps, uh, of, of some of those close games. It's not crazy to think that you could go over three and a half. I'm not taking them over three and a half, but certainly it's not insane to think it. Bud Elliott 3 is the Twitter handle. He's with CBS Sports College Football Podcast. They are unveiling their ACC outlook later this week and maybe afterwards if you're listening a few days from when we record this on Tuesday, the 25th of July from the ACC football kickoff. Bud, um, Virginia Tech, Brent Pry, that win total is kind of waffle between five, five and a half. Long term, I see where they're building something good, but does that preclude them from overcoming a lot of short-term hurdles, particularly offensively. Yeah, I think that's the real big question there. So they, they went out and, and they, they took the Baylor quarterback. Uh, re- returns in spring were, were not super encouraging on, on, on that transfer take. So you know, my question here is, will it be Wells again? And if so, does that present a bit of a, a hard cap on what you can do offensively? I mean, he was never really a good passer at Marshall, a kid that, that won a lot of ball games at Marshall with his legs, and they, they had to run him some last year the passing game i know that they are encouraged by the transfer receivers that they took i think from middle tennessee and i forgot where the other kid was from but i know in my head my notes say receivers are trending up and and so i I could certainly see virginia tech making a bowl like somebody is going to win some of these toss-up games in the bottom half of the acc whether that's the Hokies, yellow jackets if you want to put cuse in that category right virginia like somebody has to win some of these ball games somebody has to lose them so it's not inconceivable that that tech uh, could play decent enough offense and, and okay defense uh, and come out on top and, and return to a bowl. Uh, Recruiting-wise, they're doing a little bit better this year than they were last year. Last year, uh, I mean, look, they're, I don't know that they play the NIL game super well uh, just compared to some of the, the schools close by that do have a lot of money to splash the pot. And it looks like they're going kind of a more of a developmental role uh, and, and developmental program, which maybe that's what they need to be right now. In terms of program identity with Virginia Tech, it seems a lot of fans in Blacksburg and obviously Virginia would agree that Brent Pry kind of gets it from what you mentioned, yeah. the developmental angle. Do you see them maybe being a poorer version of Penn State where they can recruit and develop talent in a lot of areas, but whether it's Wells versus Drones at quarterback this year or, heck, look at Penn State's history, quarterback seems to be the one area that that tree though James Franklin tree seems to have struggled to fully grasp yeah I, I think that's I think that's probably pretty fair and it, it's hard to get the super elite quarterback uh, when, when you hire a D coordinator as your head coach who has not been a head coach before you you always kind of worry about am I getting a little must chance right a guy that just for some reason his program just can't run offense now I, I don't think that there's really reason to believe that with pride it's been one season right and so I guess we'll see. Uh, maybe Drones gets it in the fall and is able to uh, to take a big jump and, and outplay Wells. Uh, or maybe Wells takes a jump in, in the second year in the system. I, I know that they were wanting to acquire an offensive tackle in the portal. Welcome to the club. Almost everybody out there wanted one. I'm not really sure they got one to fix their needs uh, there as well. Everybody's touched on that, and you touch on this a lot on the Cover 3 podcast presented by CBS Sports and have a good grasp on recruiting and the direction of college athletics as Bud Elliott is with us in the fast lane. He's at Bud Elliott 3 on Twitter to keep up with him there. The offensive and defensive lines, I mean, I'm not going out on a limb and saying this. I cover high school football. There are a lot of guys that are 5'10", a buck 80, and you may be able to add a little weight and they'll fit that. It's a lot harder to find guys that are 6'3", 300-ish pounds that can move like a dancing bear. And is that the big reason why 
Virginia, Virginia Tech, frankly, most of the schools in the country are struggling to replenish the offensive and defensive lines. I, I think so, right? And like those are the guys that are going to get the NIL money and, and, and really get paid because they're, they're at premium positions, and there's just not many body types like that. So, yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. In terms of looking ahead to the ACC, obviously we will direct our winners to your Cover 3 Locks podcast for the ACC. You're 59% against the spread the last couple of years, so clearly you have got a finger on the pulse of looking ahead. We'll give our big overview question. One team that generates a lot of hype, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Louisville's gotten buzzed this preseason. Out of that grouping, we'll put North Carolina there as well. Who's one that you like? Who's one that you're a little concerned about? So I, I, I did send this to my betting newsletter, which you guys can find at the bottom of my, uh, my, my Twitter links there. I, I played some North Carolina alternate line under, under seven and a half at like three to one. It just based on the idea, I'm, I'm not sure that team is ever going to be physically tough under Mac Brown, and they are so quarterback dependent. I mean, if, if you don't have Drake May, do they make a bowl? Right? Like, like he, so... What if he gets dinged, right? What if the team around him just doesn't play well and he's like, you know what, man, last couple games, peace out. Like, like this is, this is not, uh, not working out for me, you know, even though I decided to stay as opposed to be a you know, $4 million transfer guy. So a little bit under on them. Um, I'm looking to find out if Louisville is actually good or if the Louisville just has a schedule that's good, right? Because Louisville's schedule is a cakewalk. Are they actually good enough to take advantage of that cakewalk schedule? Could they be your bid thief, to use a basketball term here at kind of a basketball <laughs> conference, right? <laughs> like, can they get to the AC title game? It, clearly, can they go 8-0 to set, or 7-1 to maybe prevent a Florida State-Clemson rematch? I don't know. But the schedule kind of makes me wonder because there's no FSU. There's no Clemson. I think there's no NC State, no Pitt. They have to go to Miami at the end of the year, which – I mean, look, to be frank, Miami quits most of the time by the end of the year, so who knows. But like, they could be a bid thief. Meanwhile, the other side of it, there's a group, you mentioned Virginia Tech, wanting to get into this group of overachieving, maximizing talent, development programs, whatever a term you want to use for that. Out of Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Pitt, they all kind of fit that mold of good coaching staffs. They get the most out of their talent, but maybe not the highest-end talent on the roster is there a team you like out of that bunch, or do you have reservations for all of them? Uh, I, I think there is some chance Boston College bounces back a little bit. They have a friendly schedule. They were really probably the most banged-up offensive line last year that I could recall. That Everybody bitches about their offensive line depth, but Boston College was actually pulling guys over from the defensive line to play O-line in the middle of the year. Like That's a real big red flag, and if they just have decent health on the O-line, I, I do think Halfley's probably a good coach who's had some bad luck there at Boston College. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they bounced back and made a bowl. Bud Elliott 3 is the Twitter handle. They're dropping their win total podcasts on the CBS Sports Cover 3 podcast over the next handful of weeks. You can cheat like I do and listen to double the speed. You, you talk so slow in person, Bud. I'm having to readjust my brain versus double speed for maximum knowledge consumption. But we are grateful for your time today. You've mentioned strength of schedule a lot. That is a buzzword that's been big across our Virginia Talk Radio Network platforms, particularly with 
Liberty University and looking at their first year in Conference USA. Reasonable to say they may be a lower power rated team, but may actually eclipse that they're now at eight wins projected, but that's where they fall in the last couple of years because they do have such a friendly strength of schedule now. Yeah, and with, with, with the CUSA, I mean, look, the CUSA is not a strong league. Uh, the, the teams that left were some of the better teams, and some of the teams they brought in are, are probably, not, probably not all that good. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what Hugh Freeze left Jamie Chadwell. I, I think Chadwell's a really good coach. I, I think it was a smart move for Chadwell to take the Liberty job over jobs like a, a USF or, or a Georgia Tech, right? Uh, who can't really pay and, and uh, he's going to win a whole lot of ball games at Liberty. Of, of that I'm confident, right? And Liberty is probably just going to outspend the league over the long haul uh, because they have an NIL program coming up, at least from what I understand, that no other G5 is going to come close. So if they follow through on that, Liberty long term is, is just going to crush it, right? I don't know what Hugh Freeze left him though. The quarterback play last year was pretty suspect. Liberty's a very hard team for me to power rate because they basically just quit in several games last year. I mean, like, <laughs> like I'm not trying to dog them, but. No, like, you're 100% like, like, right. They got blown out by, what, New Mexico State? That was the game. So, so that's the game that I just throw out and evaluating yeah, them because right. right before kickoff was when they found out the freeze rumors and on the way to the stadium, players are confronting freeze before the game yeah. about it. And they, they didn't I mean, care. And it's a throw out. Right. And so like, there may, are there a couple throw outs? You throw out just once. It's hard to get a baseline number. They also lost like a lot of transfers off that ball club on defense yep. uh, who went to some power five schools or like upper level G5 type stuff that, I mean, that's like, they could use probably five or six of those guys who they lost on defense. So long-term, I'm very high on them. Short-term, I, I, like I trust Chadwell to scheme guys open, and he, he seems like he gets a freebie touchdown a game just by you know, having a guy nobody around the, the dude they're throwing to. But man, like in the close games, if they have close games, are, are the quarterbacks good enough? I don't know that Hugh, that Hugh Freeze left them a ton. So because of that, do you have Western Kentucky as the team to beat in that conference in part? Because also Liberty gets them on the end of a three straight road game trip. Yeah, I wait, so Liberty's Liberty's three three road games in a row, yeah, right? Three yeah. straight road games and Western Kentucky is number three out of that. Right. Yeah, I, I do have Western winning the league. Um, I mean they're quarterback dependent certainly with, with Austin Reed, but I, I think they probably just have better talent than Liberty does right now. Um, but I would have Liberty in the final. I, I guess some people like La Tech. I just I can't trust their defense at all. UTEP, I think, is probably more solid than people think. Um, am I missing somebody that should be up there? The, the two new teams can't win it by rule. So yep. Jacksonville State and Sam Houston aren't eligible. <laughs> There's only like seven teams that can win this thing. FIU won't win it. Uh, I don't think New Mexico State can win it, to be honest. Yeah, it's a nine-team conference with seven being eligible right, because yeah. of the two new additions. Yeah, so it's, it's most likely Western. I mean, I think Liberty probably gets to the title game. Bud Elliott 3 is the Twitter handle. We encourage you to go there. There's a link also to sign up and gain some extra insight from Bud in addition to his work with the CBS Sports Cover 3 college football podcast as they're going through their win totals right now. You mentioned ineligible for the postseason. That is a thorn in the side of some of our listeners because of James Madison University. Are they another one of these? Is this another one of these years where they could easily, under normal circumstances, win the Sun Belt but because of that, we'll call it antiquated rule, they're just ineligible. Yeah, the, the rule is silly. Like, like who is it really protecting? I, I guess the it, it shouldn't be a rule if you transfer up. If you transfer down, obviously, like that that makes some sense, right? But if you transfer up up a division, like congrats, you just went to a harder level. If you can win it, that should be a, to your credit, not not to your you know, detriment. Um, 
I think JMU is probably pretty damn good again. I, there's a real good case that they were the best team in, in the Sun Belt last year. I, I hit some nice outrights. We had a really good betting year last year, obviously. You know, and had like 86 units in the preseason, which was not sustainable. Like I'm not gonna hit 86 <laughs> units of, of futures bets again. But um, it was, Troy was good to us. We had 15 to one. And basically the intel that I got was like, Troy has a bad SEC level defense, but it was still like an SEC level defense and playing in the Sun Belt. So I'm gonna bet on that. But I thought JMU was actually a better team than they were last year, honestly. And they easily could be the best team in the league again. Quarter do you have a good feel for quarterback there? Like what's going to happen at QB for JMU? No, I really don't. Yeah, I, don't I think either. that's probably the biggest question mark for them. I know they were preseason at the top of their division in that conference, but the quarterback question is one that I don't have a good feel yeah. on. And they lost one of the D linemen to the portal, who I think is an impact guy. But I, I still, like, I trust the coach. I trust the roster build. Very good chance they're still the best team in the Sun Belt. Last one for you, and we are thankful for your time, is the other side of the Sun Belt division, and that is Old Dominion. They're projected to be at the bottom. They lose a ton of guys. Ollie Jennings to Virginia Tech, a number of others have transferred out. Is that just kind of where they are right now as a program, where as soon as they get good talent that comes in, they're going to go right back out the door somewhere else? I mean, I, I think it probably says something about their NIL, right? Uh, like, can you keep your studs if you develop some studs? Uh, I guess the answer right now is no. Uh, but that's the answer for a whole lot of G5 teams. So, you know, do, I think it's more like, can you develop quality depth? Can you develop some guys who are good football players, but maybe without ideal measurables? Uh, you know, I, I talked to some coaches about this. Like, man, I love my 5'9 linebacker. He's a stud, but no, no P5 team is going to take him off my hands because he's 5'9. Right? Yeah. So, like, you got to be able to find guys who can stay at a, at a G5 level and play well. Uh, Old Dominion, the interesting thing there with them, and I'm curious how – is the pace. Like they're playing a new offense. They're talking about how they want to go really fast. If you're bad and fast, though, that's a lot of times the bad teams don't keep playing fast. They slow it down. Like how long are they going to play at that pace if they are bad? Or does the pace catch people by surprise and you know, they, they, uh, they stick with it? Bud Elliott with us here in the Fast Lane, the Cover 3 podcast presented by CBS Sports. And, of course, Bud Elliott 3 on Twitter. Check it out because there's a sign-up link for more insight that Bud is able to provide. Bud, thank you for sharing some of that today in the Fast Lane, looking at the Virginia schools and the ACC, but also around the rest of the Commonwealth. Enjoyed it. Bud Elliott with us here in the Fast Lane. That'll do it for us today. Hit us up, Fast Lane, Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram.